Hello and welcome to You Better Hear Me. I am your host, Charlene McWilliams. And today I have the distinct pleasure of speaking to a good friend of mine. He is one of the most interesting people I've met. He's interesting because he knows a lot about the mortgage industry and the finance industry. And I, when I first met him, maybe two or three years ago, Fabi, I can't remember, Something maybe two like or three years ago, I was so impressed with how much he knew and how he could put it in language that was understandable. And I was like, oh my goodness, I got a rock star here. I got a rock star. I can, I can use him. I can use him well. So <laughs> that was the first thing I've that been, impressed me. I've been used. <laughs> I was used. You didn't even know it. All these years, I thought no. you were my friend. <laughs> Now the truth is out. I've been using you. <laughs> I gotta go, Charlene. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. But no, you had such a wealth of knowledge and a way with people and a way of speaking and making things understandable. And then I, I realized he was funny. Oh my gosh, he was so funny. I was like, I like this person. I think I might like him. He might be a keeper. We'll see about that. So we've known each other, like I said, a couple of, couple of three years and, you know, we, we've gotten professionally and personally, he's had me out on his boat. I took my daughter and myself out on this boat and that was absolutely fantastic. She loved it. She liked speed. She wanted to go faster. <laughs> and so I, I want to introduce you guys to Fabi, Fabi Nagmi, who has recently finished a book and he's publishing it it's going to be out next year right it's going no, to be it's, is it widely out. available now or it's already out it's already out i've got i'm holding my copy i just didn't know if i was in the in the select few who got that pre-copy you know no Boy. sorry well, honey but no, okay it's, well <laughs> it's available see. on amazon and it's also well yeah, I mean, amazon is probably the best place to get it but we do have a website set up for it as well okay you can give them that a little bit later but yeah. the name of the book is falling forward mishaps on the road to happiness and what he's sharing with us is his story and it's so interesting and I got sucked in by one of the stories I was just reading about him setting up when he was 10 years old there was a bully in the in in his friend group or in the acquaintance group I, I should say and how he set up a opportunity for other kids who didn't like this person to punch the boy in the stomach what yeah 10 years old setting yeah. it up and he's, his commission his commission was 10 cent okay he was like yeah y'all can pay and he, he set it up with the guy and the guy took it and he's like yeah i can do it i'm like this is a salesperson for real and for true he started off early selling so but in all fairness i mean the story is that i gave the kids protection for that 10 cents right in other words should have the bully retaliated i would have yeah. thrown my body in front of that bully and the young person that was the hope <laughs> <laughs> That was a promise. That was a promise. That was a promise to them. And kids lined up. Now, I haven't gotten to the rest of the story yet, but I'm sure that it went well. But, Fabi, thank you for coming on the show today. I appreciate you taking the time. And you're actually one of the most important people to me around this podcast because you helped me get it launched. I mean, you have your podcast. He's also a a podcaster. Mm -hmm. Uh, Laugh, Lind, and... Eat that. Eat. That last word always always makes me laugh because I'm like, what is laughing and I get the laughing and eating, but the lending and eating. Okay, all right, 
okay. But no, it's very popular. Very popular. And he's been doing this uh, for a couple of years and it's gained traction. And he's the one who encouraged me to, to launch. And I want to thank him for that. You're a great job. Well, you're so kind. You're so, so kind. I got the voice for it. You know, I, I, you know that. So, yeah, but I mean, you know that you came up with such a great name. You better hear me now. I mean, it's like, come on. I mean, better you gotta have me. a podcast to go with that title. You know, exactly. It, it was, it was ordained for me to have this podcast. So thank you, my friend, for joining us today. I want you to talk a little bit about your book and uh, encourage people who might be thinking about writing their own book around what it takes to get it accomplished. Okay. And so what inspired you to write this book? And again, it's, it's on your life. Mm-hmm. And we all, I always tell people, we all have a story. We all have a story. Some of the stories are interesting. These are interesting. Some people don't have interesting stories, or at least they think they don't, but I think everyone has an interesting story. So tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write this book. Well, I mean, you know, I think it's interesting because the introduction of the book, I actually talk, talk about what inspired me. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is that I was flying home from Pakistan with my wife and two kids in 2018. And I don't know, it was just weird, Charlene. It was like, you know, we had a very nice um, first class airline, you know what I mean? Where it turns into beds and that kind of stuff. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what happened. I was like, all of a sudden hit with this, like, like, all, like a memory, like, hold on, just a few years ago, I was broke. Mm-hmm. Like, I got nothing. I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, the book talks about that, right? Right, right. I had lost everything in the 2008 mortgage meltdown, like everything. I had nothing except mm. my health, my wife, my children. Um, right. And those were the foundations that I, I, I used to rebuild. And it was like, hold on, what happened? I mean, in 2012, I remember distinctly remember just, I just, I, I, I was thinking to myself, like, when does this all end? You know mm-hmm. what I mean, like, when does this financial insecurity end? Right. And, you know, six years later, I'm flying home in this amazing accommodations on Emirates Airline. And I'm like, oh, hold on, we got to we got to write this down. Right. And something happened. And I, I didn't know what happened. So let's let's be honest here, Charlene. I didn't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. it was like, you know, the book took three years to write. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't one of those that just poured out of you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took three years to write. And I remember t- speaking with my editor right at the end, I think last summer. Um, yeah, 2021. And and the book was being edited, it was done. And I remember telling Candy, I said, you know, it's weird. I said, my writing changed from the time mm-hmm. that I actually started writing it to the time it ended. Right. Because my life had shifted again in three years. And mm-hmm. the book itself kind of embodied the shift that I was on. That, that answers that question. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It does. It does answer it. I mean, is it, you said this wave of gratitude went over you and you mm-hmm. were just um, sort of amazed at how you were able to change your thinking. But you, it took you, it took you looking at yourself. And I think that's one of the things that people don't tend to do or want to do because they are either afraid of what they might see or they don't want to face it. I think the biggest challenge is, is, is actually being honest with ourselves. Right. right? So right. I think we all know where our faults are, right? Mm-hmm. We all, we can see that. The second biggest fear is how do I make that available for the whole world to read about? Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, Charlie's actually going to read about my life now. Right. That kind of stuff. Right. right? 
she's going to know me really, really well by the time she gets to the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Now, you really know me all that well already, right? Right. You're going to know more about me. And strangers have come up to me that I've done um, where I was speaking a few weeks ago about the book. Mm-hmm. And they had their own perception of my book. Like ah. they overlaid my words with their life story. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that happening, right? So they, they could identify with the experiences, but then they had similar experiences, but not the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were trying to identify. And the whole point being is we all had these moments in our lives where it wasn't so good. It wasn't so whatever, right? Right. Maybe we weren't the best of the people at that time, whatever the situation is. As long as we're open to discovering who we are, I mean, that's what life is about. I mean, and I think quite honestly, that's what I said when I, when those three years that I was writing the book, I kind of discovered more about myself in writing the book, mm-hmm. which was actually interesting for me. Well, I think that's because you took the time to do it. I mean, you were, you were vulnerable to yourself. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's the most important thing, being vulnerable to yourself and saying, okay, this is who I am. This is not who I was, but who I am right now is what matters. And this is what I can base how I react or how I respond to things on right now, not on the person I used to be. And not only that, but I mean, I can also change. Yeah. That was yeah. the other beauty that I realized writing this book. I used to have this belief, Charlene, that like if you were a carpenter, you were going to be a carpenter for life, right? Yeah. Like you shouldn't yeah. change industries. You shouldn't change whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Coming out of this book, I'm like, I look at life and it's, it's very gray today. It's not the black and white that I entered to in the, when I started the first few pages of this book. Mm-hmm. Um, my life was very black and white, like boom, boom, boom. And writing this book, I realized, no, no, we have to be much more open and minded, much more flexible, mm-hmm. allow people the same luxury of changing that was allowed to me. Right. And is that what, is that the main thing you want people to get from the book? I mean, you mentioned how other people had responded and it was a shock to you because that wasn't what you thought they, how, how you thought they would respond. What is it that you want people to get from the book? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, right. Um, I think uh, I want to try to make sure we understand this the right way. Right. I know you just use the word change and that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think the biggest lesson that I learned was that I didn't really have to change to, to feel happy. What okay. I literally had to do, Charlene, was uncover who God made me to be in the first place. Uh-huh. By yeah. getting rid, rid of all these layers that I'd put on myself over all these years. You know what I mean? You go to a convention, right. you hear a speaker, you're like, oh my God, I want to be like that guy, right? Boom. You start behaving like that. You hear, you go to some time management course and they give you some other tools. You start doing that. And then you hear some, whatever. But by the time you're like my age, you know what I mean? You're like, you got all these layers. Right. And it's like, well, where's Fabi in all this? <laughs> Where is Who is Fabi? Yeah. Where's Fabi? Who is he? And so it's like, how do I get happy? Right. How do and- I get true contentment? That was really like, also like at the end of the, the book, that's really what I was seeking. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was that Happiness was found when I was rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Happiness was found by uncovering who I was always meant to be. And happy was found when I, when I realized I didn't have to change to be somebody. I already was that person. That's great. And you mentioned um, God and, and your faith. It seems to me that that's a pervasive thread when people have the opportunity to not, not, not change, like you said, but the opportunity to really understand who they are at their core, 
it's it's a it's tapping into their faith. This is who God made me to be. Mm-hmm. And it's acknowledging I might not be this other person who does something another this that way. This is who I am. And accepting that and being okay with it's okay to be five foot two or five foot whatever. Mm-hmm. You can't change it. <laughs> I mean, you no. can wear heels all day long or platforms <laughs> or whatever the case yeah. may be, but you take them shoes off, you're still gonna be five two. <laughs> And yeah, it's he's five foot ex- two with heels on. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and your feet hurt. Oh boy, you know, whatever, you know, it's accepting who you are. And that's so beautiful. I, I like that. I like that a lot. I like what you said about um, accepting who God made you to be. A lot of this is, is cumulative learning over mm-hmm. the years. Right. And then it all kind of comes together one day. You know, I mean, the universe aligns and you can also see where the stars are leading you. You know what I mean? But this one mentor told me, you know, and she, and she was like, you know, you're a really smart kid. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you learn really, really well, Fab. She said, your problem is you don't know how to unlearn. Mm-hmm. Now, this was said to me years ago. But in writing this book, that was echoing through my, throughout my head at the end. Yeah. That how- really, it's about unlearning. It's unlearning wow. behaviors that I thought were so important for me. You know, I got to wear a suit and tie. I got to shave every day. And I'm not knocking that stuff. That's somebody's, that's what they want to do. That That's fine. Right. But to do that me, because I'm you want to do myself. it. Yeah. 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 You know I mean, if I don't want to shave five, six days a week or whatever, and <laughs> wear a suit and tie anymore. I just want to, whatever that person is, that's who I want to really embody. Mm-hmm. And be true to it. Right. And so that's really what the book is talking about. Quite honestly, it's, it's how do I find happiness? within myself. And I know there's tons and tons of books out there talking about this. Mm-hmm. This is just another avenue to try to get there. Right. Um, you know, the funny part is, is when you write the write books, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of like, there's so many other people with the same thought pattern. Mm-hmm. What I've learned, and I'm sure you've learned it, right? Because as we read people's other authors and other over the years, there's certain authors that can share their experiences in a way that resonates within me. Yeah. And somebody else could share, say this other thing with different wording. and It has no meaning to me. Right. Right. The exact same thing. Exactly. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like finding your favorite barbecue spot. It's still barbecue. But, right. but is it North Carolina barbecue versus Texas barbecue? Who knows? <laughs> Memphis. Memphis barbecue. You know. Always yeah. goes back to eating. Remember it that. does. See? Yeah. You and the food, man. See what I'm saying? Lyndon laughing and eating. That's it. That's it. But yeah, I mean, so finding happiness is critical in our lives. Because yeah. I mean, if you can't find happiness, if 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 my happiness was only predicated on my W-2, mm. which for many years it was, Charlene, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know how unhappy I felt inside of myself. And we all hear this from people. You know what I mean? Right. And I heard it when I was in my early 20s. People would tell me, Fob, don't chase the dollars. You know, you'll and, and I, I would just in one ear, out the other ear, right? Right. And then one day you get to that place and you're like, you know what? I heard it. I didn't believe it. And here I am. Yeah. When you lose it all. Now think about this. If my entire life was up to 2008 was based on my income. Mm-hmm. Now I lose it all. I have no value in my head. Right. So that's where the connection was, right? I don't have any assets. I don't, I'm not a human being. Mm. And that's wow. why I have to rebuild myself. And isn't it fascinating that it takes sometimes catastrophic 
events for us to really get to who we are. I mean, it takes losing everything. You'd like to think that along the way, and this is, you know, teaching my daughter, I don't want her to get to the point where she hurts herself. I want her to learn the lesson before, like, if you continue to do this, you're going to hurt yourself kind of Mm -hmm. thing. You'd like to be able to think that we live our lives like that, but we don't. We don't. Like you said, when you were 20 years old, people told you, you didn't see it though. And you didn't, didn't really have a grasp of money not being the be all, the end all. And in the book too, I was reading another section where you were saying that you had these different layers because you didn't feel like you were good enough or mm-hmm. you didn't feel like you were worthy of it. You had to prove something. Yeah. And that's why you put on all of those, the, the suit and you, you had the car, the house and all these things, uh, all these baubles, all these shiny things. What's the latest thing that I can, can, can put on myself to make myself feel worthy? And the thing is, is you can have all that stuff, but you can also be happy in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's not like you can't have all that. You can have the nicest yeah. vacations. You can have the biggest house. You can have the nicest car. But let's also be content and happy within those material mm-hmm. possessions. With those things. Yeah. yeah. Because to me, it's like that's the win. That's the jackpot. Mm-hmm. When you're appreciating where you are and who you are in that moment. And because they I don't guarantee- define you, right? They, no right, they don't define, define you. They don't define you because I guarantee you once I'm independently wealthy, I'm going to be happy, just as happy as I am now. I'm happy now. I'm happy now. And I'm going to be happy and knowing Charlene then, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and, and the nice thing is that, you know, there, I think it was uh, Frank Sinatra who said, I've been broke and I've been rich and rich is a lot better because at least I can have money to fix my problems. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I mean, they're, they're, I'm not downplaying money and material possessions. So, I mean, I think there has been a few murmurs after reading my book. They some, some people have have picked that up, and I, mm-hmm. I want to clear that that is not the intent. Yeah, I want people to make as much money as possible by the whatever biggest <laughs> things they want to please their hearts with. You know what I mean? Right, uh, right. But in the meantime, don't neglect who you are. Is really you know, let's uncover who we're supposed to be. That's the essence of it. Yeah. Who are you supposed to be? And that way you can help other people because I, I don't believe that we're here as islands. I believe that we are supposed to connect with folks and help each other along the way. And if you are not true to who you are, you're not going to be able to do that. Right. You, you're you're going to c- constantly be putting on this facade every day or every hour or every minute. And you're not going to be the person that you need to be to help somebody. Well, think about it. We, we, we all hear this word now, the imposter syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, so what is the imposter syndrome? I mean, it's, it's the feeling yeah. that I don't belong somewhere. But why don't you belong somewhere? You worked hard to get there, but why mm-hmm. do you still feel empty sitting in that leadership meeting with a bunch of 14 different leaders? Right. Right? Because right. the thing that I needed inside of me, I filled it with the wrong things. Yeah. So now the suit, the tie, the, the Omega watch, you know, they're great, but I'm still feeling empty when I walk into this room of 14 different leaders and mm-hmm. I'm number 15. Wow. And, and you know what? That's interesting because, Bobby, I, I grew up in a very rural country setting on a dirt road. I grew up on a mm. dirt road and, and you could tell in the summertime stuff got covered in dust if you had those windows open. But anyway, <laughs> I, you know, so humble, definitely humble beginnings. And I've gotten to a place now, I was just thinking about this the other day where I've been able to provide for my daughter in a way that my parents couldn't do for me, yeah. but that they gave me a foundation that I would not trade for anything yeah. because 
I have confidence in who I am and I've always had the confidence in who I was. And it wasn't based on money because we didn't have any. Mm-hmm. It was it was based on whose are you? Who are you, Charlene? Be yeah. very knowledgeable about who you are when you walk into a room. And I always have been. Well, and think this, Charlene, think about this real quick. Uh-huh. When and I'm not saying I don't think it was happening when I grew up, right? But I think in our generation, definitely mm-hmm. people were judged by their character. You would say yeah. that guy's honest. That guy is moral. That guy, you mm-hmm. know, if he shakes your hand, he's going to do what he promised you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And fast forward to today. And we're talking about that guy's got a big house. That guy yeah. just bought a 70 inch flat screen TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mean, we're talking material ways to judge people rather than the character of the individual itself. Well, it was all, it was keeping up with the Joneses right. and you, you know, I, and I never felt the need to keep up with the Joneses. I never fed into that because I didn't, have, I guess it was, at some point I was like, well, I don't have that, but you know, okay, <laughs> I'm going to keep on being who I am because that's what I have. That's my commodity. My commodity is my character. It's not, uh, like you said, an Omega watch or in my, ba- in, in my situation, it, it could be a coach bag. Now, mind you, I like a good coach bag <laughs> or, you know, LV or whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah. I like a good looking bag. However, I know who I am and I've given away in many a bag too. So it's not the item. It's who mm-hmm. I am as a person. So mm-hmm. I was so grateful to my parents. Um, you know, they could not give me the horse that I wanted, but they gave me uh, the character and the 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 I don't say the moral fortitude, but they they gave me a good foundation for me to build on on who I am. So I'm I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's more than money. I think yeah, that's I mean, that's that's where you build from. That's yeah, your core. You know what I mean, and as you know, no matter where you go, I mean, whether you're working out or you're building something, you mm-hmm. gotta have a strong core in order to take the next step up. That is so true. My personal trainer was working out my core. Good grief. <laughs> Lady, I can't breathe. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. I digress. I, I got, I got, I got sucked back into it. But <laughs> so you know who you are. Now I want to know how you got the whole musician thing into it. I've gotten, I'm not gotten to that part of the book yet where you're, you're introducing how you got into music, but how does this whole music thing play a role in your life, Bobby? Yeah, I mean, so funny enough, I don't really talk about music in this book. So it's it is you don't. No, it's I I don't know. I don't know how that didn't come out. Um, which is interesting. I think there is a passing line about playing drums or something at at a certain point in the in the in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, you say movie? You spoke it. Movie. (laughs) Yeah, I did say that, didn't I? Um, But um, there, there, there is definitely a line about that somewhere. I, I don't know. I don't think music in my mind. So it's really weird. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like my music life is this other person. It's really not Fabi. <laughs> oh, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> Who is that person? <laughs> and, and it's like this, it's this, you take on this different character mm-hmm. you know, when you get behind the piano or the guitar for whatever the instrument I'm playing that night. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and so to me, it, it I didn't see the two worlds colliding. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I I haven't. Uh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, I mean, being a musician, I think at the editing part. So this is kind of, you know, I mean, 
I remember, you know, once again, Candy and I were talking and I said, you know, this whole thing reminds me a lot of actually making music. The way you mm-hmm. we're doing this, we're editing it, we're kind of adding things that we need to be added, different perspective, you know, the producer versus the editor, it's the same kind of role. Right. So I definitely saw the the similarities. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I didn't had had my music life been instrumental in, in any of these, I'm sure I would have brought it up. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the need was not there for that. Interesting. Yeah. Did you do you see your music as an escape from who you 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 perceived yourself to be? Join me next week as I continue my conversation with Fabi about music, self-discovery, and this book, Falling Forward.